Welcome to another episode of GivePod, Greater Vancouver's business podcast where we unpack the challenges and opportunities facing our region. I'm your host, Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. Well, Vancouver has certainly earned the nickname Hollywood North. The film industry in BC employs about 65,000 people and contributes more than $3 billion a year to the provincial economy. The industry has been incredibly resilient over the course of the pandemic, and its ability to innovate and adapt to challenges has been an amazing BC success story. Joining me to talk about how the industry intends to build on that success is the CEO of Creative BC, Prem Gill. Prem, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Bridget. So maybe let's take a step back first and you could talk about Creative BC and its role in the film industry, because that is just one piece of the pie that you are involved in. Yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity to talk a little bit about what we do. So we are an organization, we're actually a nonprofit, but we receive funding and a mandate from the province to support the economic development of BC's creative industries. So what does that mean is we support everything from film and television, which includes visual effects and animation, books, magazines, music, and digital interactive media. And what we do in support of that is programs that support just that, the economic development, which is everything from managing the tax incentive programs to running the film commission services and a variety of grant programs that support activity, business activity, either business development activity on the film side, the development of content and IP from here in British Columbia and a variety of things like that, as well as supporting a lot of export activity, which you know I'm excited to say is starting to happen again in person. Well, speaking of in person, um, you know, you can't go anywhere in Vancouver where you don't see something being shot for film or for television. And I know it has been very competitive to try and get those productions here in Vancouver. So why is it that they are interested in shooting here rather than another jurisdiction across Canada or in the U.S.? Yeah, well, you know, I can say I talk to my colleagues across the country a fair bit, and I can say that, you know, the major centers are all pretty active and busy, similar to the, you know, Metro Vancouver area. And, you know, one of our, you know, the secret sauce here in BC and the Metro Vancouver area is that we are, it's a mature industry now, it's a 40 year old industry. And a lot of people, up to 60,000 people work in this sector, either directly or indirect. And I mean, everybody knows someone who works in film or a company, your dry cleaner does dry cleaning for the film industry. You know, there's a lot of links across the whole economy here. But I think part of it is that we have over those years built the infrastructure. We have almost 3 million square feet of studio space, more coming online. We have, we always like to say that British Columbia is the world of looks. I'm sure everybody knows that, you know, Vancouver doesn't often play Vancouver, but has played many cities but also the Okanagan has been, you know, all kinds of locations in the world or Vancouver Island. So I think that is to our advantage as well. And honestly, like the talent that's built here over the years, those, you know, 40 to 60,000 people that now work and thrive in this industry is um, at all levels and at and all kinds of roles where we now are a center that has an expertise, a talent expertise that makes this a, a really viable place to come. And also, you know, we have really competitive tax incentive programs that are really key to the film and television industry globally. And our proximity in the same time zone as Los Angeles, you know, all of these kinds of things, they all add up to, you know, a really perfect place for this 
province to be in, in terms of continuing to be a big part of the, I think the success of many great productions that come both from Hollywood, but also Canadian productions. A real recipe for success. And mm -hmm. I think there's lessons to be learned for other businesses and other industries and sectors around the tax incentive, because there was a time, I remember not that long ago, that the tax incentive was in jeopardy. And so if that had been lost, that really would have been one of our competitive edges to be able to attract business. So, you know, is this something that, uh, you know, you had to work really hard to be able to keep in place? You know, I think the industry in collaboration with government, you know, and, and different departments and areas within government, both federally and provincially, I think people really understand the value of these programs and the impacts. And this is the global model for the film industry, the film and television industry. Most successful jurisdictions, maybe outside of Hollywood, but even they have incentive programs, have really been part of growing the sector. And, you know, for us here in BC, our incentives are directly linked to British Columbians in jobs. So it's very clear that way. In other jurisdictions, there's things called all spends and a variety of things. And I'm not saying those are right or wrong, but I think it's a very um, strategic incentive we've had here. And I think the industry, you know, continually works with government and with us in terms of everybody understanding the impacts of what these programs have. And again, you can't just have that one thing. It, it is literally all these things happening in tandem that are part of the success of our jurisdiction. Your industry was really impacted by the pandemic. I mean, you literally bring people together in person in very close quarters, and there's not really a lot of ways around that. So you did recover fairly quickly. You brought people back to work and productions got up and running. I mean, how much of an effort was that? And what were the factors that had to go into play to make that happen? It was a massive effort by many people and many organizations. And, you know, literally, what, what was the date? I keep, I'm like, I don't know, was it March 10th? Was it March 13th? Whatever that day was in 2020 where everybody walked away. And there were sets that people like, because we didn't know, right? We didn't have the knowledge and um, the science that we all know now. We weren't vaccinated, all of these things. So people literally walked away from sets, there was no wind down or cleanup, or people went back to wherever they lived, just hoping for the best and thinking they'd be back in a couple of weeks. And of course, we all know what happened. Now, in some ways, the wind down was the easy part, because you just went home. It was the getting people back to work safely that took a lot of time. So it was with Creative BC, with WorkSafe, with all of the uh, producers, the Canadian Producers Association, the independent, uh, the the studio facilities people, the major studios from Hollywood, and the labor organizations all coming together to talk about nobody had ever developed pandemic protocols before. And we all went through it in our various industries and working in different jurisdictions with ministries of health and their guidance. So it really changed, you know, how, you know, productions can be very they're very community oriented and you know meal times are really like a, a real bonding thing well that became completely different sets became more closed where some of them worked in zones where if you didn't work in that zone they couldn't risk like a lead actor getting you know uh, infected with covid because then the whole production would go down or the director or key personnel so i think a lot of those uh, precautions still continue because of 
you know, when you're shooting a film or you have so many days and that's what you budget for. And if you start going over those days, things change. There is also, you know, there was insurance relief provided by the federal government for Canadian producers because insurance started to cost more because if you did have a shutdown, how are you going to cover those costs? So it is a, uh, I think it's, it's, like this is all still a work in progress, I think across the industries, because obviously we all know, like we're all living with COVID. We're not in any kind of post COVID world. We're just continually managing our own personal risk and also business risk. So I, you know, I, I think what was amazing was that everybody came together, but it wasn't like it just, this, the light switched overnight. People started, some productions went back in that June, 2020. It was really almost to the end of 2020, early 2021, when we saw the levels of production where they had been prior to March, 2020, because it just took time and things took longer. And if people were coming up from Los Angeles, they had to quarantine. Remember that? We all forgot. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so it's, um, was, you know, really impressive on the thing about this sector is it was already, especially in film and television, so safety conscious. So there's already a lot of that that is built into physical production that putting in COVID protocols was complex, but not in some sense out of the ordinary, not like, you know, a library or a restaurant that suddenly had to put in social distancing measures and the, the yeah, your industry really led the way in being able to create safe workspaces and get people back to work. And many of us who have been at home over and, well, I guess on and off over the pandemic, really thank your industry because you gave us a lot of content to watch as we were sitting at home. Yeah. You know, but you look at the horizon and, you know, it's a pretty stressful time for the business community. We know that there is a likely recession, certainly inflation at a 40-year high. You talked about costs and costs just seem to keep increasing. And you mentioned meals. Well, food prices have gone up and gasoline prices are, you know, at, at, at very big all-time highs. And so those are some of the costs that go into production. How do you navigate this, um, and, and especially thinking that there is a there was some le recent labor strife and partly over wages and costs, and that now we've got a bit of a tentative agreement. So, you know, what are you seeing on the horizon when you look at you know what are pretty significant storm clouds brewing? Yeah, you know, I you know, we're we're not like a production company or a major studio having to make a lot of decisions around budgeting and things like that. I, I mean, I think it's the same as everybody's thinking. I contacted my own mortgage broker in the last few days, even though, you know, yep. <laughs> I had something, but maybe I go and help me understand. I mean, I think we're all as individuals and organizations kind of, there's a lot of reevaluation going on. And I don't think it would be that it wouldn't happen in this sector as well in terms of, um, you know, maybe it will make Canada more popular by from foreign service producers because of the exchange rates. Um, you know, maybe those costs have an impact. I think that, um, you know, the labor unions just went through their bargaining and they've come to an agreement and, and you know, hopefully those I think are in the process of being ratified. Um, but I think it's, you know, we've also just in terms of, especially like fuel costs and food and, and some of the things you referred to, this industry is also really led in sustainable, sustainable practices. And one of the things that we talked a lot about just going back to the COVID stuff was that 
you know, now we're going, we had gone from like having disposable things for meals on sets to suddenly having to have individually packaged meals and utensils and water bottles were back. Well, and that all adds up. All those things. But we all know the biggest impact on, you know, climate change is carbon in, and that carbon footprint. And it's also been an industry that's been looking at, you know, having more you know, green vehicles. Um, the, the city of Vancouver has really led, I think, globally in this industry in having um, electrical uh, hookups available in major sites. So you don't have to bring in a diesel generator. You know, the Vancouver Art Gallery is a big example of that site that I talk about with my colleagues internationally as the kind of leadership that we as a jurisdiction have shown. And I think those will help in some of this as, as people start to look at like, okay, where do we already have things in place that can help manage those rising costs and prices? Um, you know, maybe we'll see costs increase in like movie ticket sales and our cable subscriptions. And I think we're already seeing downward... cable subscriptions or the streaming subscriptions go up. It'll be a downward <laughs> thing on us as consumers. But, you know, I, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a pretty solid and stable industry where it takes the you know production everybody anybody can watch a film or tv show and you kind of know what the high levels of production costs or not um but it's really going to be about it, it always comes back to people as well and you know do people still want to work in the sector why are they showing up <laughs> and all of those things well, and so many businesses uh, across all industries and sectors are dealing with labor shortages. I, I think there's always going to be, um, you know, a great stable of people who want to be in front of the camera. Uh, God bless them. Um, but those people behind the camera and a lot of technical um, skills that are involved in that, mm. you know, do you see that there's uh, some gaps in that pipeline? And then how do you manage that? Do you work yeah. with um, with post-secondary institutions to make sure that the skills of the future for the film industry are being being taught to, to those students? Yeah, well, even prior to the pandemic, prior to, you know, the heat dome, prior to inflation rates going up, we had done a labor market study in 2017-18, looking at the labor market needs of the film and television sector. And we call that the below the line workforce. So that is every job that's basically not the producer, director, writer, actor. So it is the, you know, the set decorators, the carpenters, the electricians, the camera operators, all those jobs. And at that point, based on the levels of what we were seeing, and even to maintain what we'd already had in those, you know, 18, 19 years, was that we would need to increase our labor force over the next three to 10 years, anywhere from three to 5%. And that was before the pandemic. So we, we kind of were already preparing for attrition. Like there was going to be retirements. There was going to be people moving to other industries. And also knowing that the volume was increasing as well as, as the studio space expanded, how do we you know, make the sector, make more people aware of the sector? We also learned that there wasn't you know, strong EDI representation within the sector. So what, what did that mean? Well, like what a great opportunity where you have a sector that doesn't totally look like your population, but is also needing more people. So and that's where there's some of those uh, great hiring opportunities in those underrepresented mm -hmm. groups. Exactly, exactly. So we, we launched a website a few months ago called Creative Pathways that was built, thank you to support from the BC government, um, Warner Media, 
all of the you know labor unions, the producers associations, they were all involved in helping us get this thing built and launched, uh, both you know through uh, being on advisory committees and financially. And basically, we believe it's Canada's first localized and comprehensive online hub for career seekers in this sector. And it is, it kind of demystifies the industry. It's also a very networked industry. It is one of those industries where, you know, I just had lunch with somebody today who said that her daughter-in-law through a friend of a friend of a friend ended up as a production assistant on a fairly large, you know, big major feature film and had never worked in the industry before. So it's kind of how do we break down those networks and how do we actually find and help people place them in opportunity? So the Creative Pathways website is both this, demystifying, but also helping in uh, employers through services, through this platform we've built, and trying to source people from those equity-deserving communities as well that have previously not been so fully represented in the sector. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and it's more competitive because, like you said, there's a lot of options for job seekers these days. Um, And what makes this working in this sector you know, more special than, you know, something else. So I think there's, you know, part of it is more education at all levels going from that, basically, I think from elementary school to showing people that they too can work on Spider-Man to, um, you know, to the universities, but also to to people who have skills in other areas that don't maybe want to be a hairstylist in a salon anymore and want to work in the film industry. Like there, there's also a lot of that back and forth or industries um, you know, we, there's also a lot of um, drivers. So if you've been working, you know, I don't know, up north, um, you know. So there's a lot of skills that apply to the film industry that maybe you don't think of right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thinking about great opportunity for the film industry and sounds like a, a really super initiative that you've just talked about, Creative Pathways. What are the things that are keeping you up at night right now? Well, I mean, I think it's it's still around, uh, um, you know, I think we all as a, a broader community and world, I think there's a lot of work that we still need to, in terms of actions and, and committed, uh, tangible and accountable things around what we like to call it JEDI, justice, equity, diversity and inclusion work that has to happen across all levels of all industries and what that means in a meaningful way to actually see systemic change starting to happen. And, you know, I still think we have a long runway to that, but I think I've never been more optimistic about it in that sense. Um, and, you know, I think the ongoing, like just the the safety of people working in, in the industry from, you know, the, <laughs> excuse me, is from the pandemic perspective where people, mm-hmm. you know, really, Um, you know, we, right now, like I was just at a conference last week and, um, people don't seem to remember there's a pandemic and yes, there was a lot of people that came out of that event with, you know, with COVID. So I think it's still around the safety, but honestly, I think that we have such a strong, um, community here in, in the film and television sector that really collaborates both with us, with government, with each other that there's not a lot of reasons to lose sleep, I guess is what I'm trying to say on this stuff right now. Not like well, that's a, a good to way to end the conversation. <laughs> it's a good way to end the conversation with optimism. Um, you know, there has been so much success in the industry mm-hmm. with some pretty significant headwinds over the last couple of years. So 
Uh, one final question. What yeah. are you looking most forward to for the rest of 2022? You know, I have to say it has been the seeing people again in person. And I know there's more of that coming up, especially over the summer period. Um, we're fortunate that we get to support a lot of events, especially in the music sector. The music industry is back. There's going to be festivals and community events across the province. Um, I, and, you know, even those film festivals that are having more in-person screenings, that has really been, I didn't really realize it till I first went back to my first like event. Mm -hmm. um, that this has worked so well, the Zoom life. And this morning I had a meeting with somebody in London. That's exactly what it's like perfect for. But, you know, those connections in person and coming together and in the creative industry that's so much about collaboration, that I think is what I'm really, you know, valuing and, and understand how much we took, we took so much for granted before all this. Isn't that the truth? Well, I would say see you on the red carpet or something like that. But the odds of me being on a red carpet, not so yeah, high. But I do hope to, see, <laughs> I hope to see you in person soon. Prem, yeah. thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time today. Thanks, Bridget.